Hello, I'm Toby, and we're off to Metabilis 3 with Tommy and Choji and uh, my special guest, Annie. The times and places are happy. I don't know why everything rhymes, but essentially it's a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast and a positive one. Hi there, uh, this is Annie Wallace here. I play uh, Sally Sinclair on Channel 4's Hollyoaks. So... When Toby asked me which story would I like to talk about, I had a big think, and I have chosen Planet of the Spiders. Well, hello everybody. It's time for Planet of Five. Planet of Five. Planet of Spide episode. The sp- Planet of Five episode. The Spiders. I mean, it's not as confused as the. St- <laughs> That's quite a confused introduction. Not as not. Not quite as confused, I would say, as the story is getting at this point with cliffhangers, skewiff, and uh, uh, storytelling akimbo and credits that don't quite match up. But as I'm sure that's very much only a thing that uh, shakes my particular coconuts. Uh, but um, let's uh, let's see how we go as the Pertwee era enters its last 50 minutes. Um Many of about about fifteen of which are the same uh, from one episode to the next. But let's see um, as we uh, I'm gonna watch from the beginning this episode of Doctor Who, uh, which was aired oh March April May pretty much five months less one day uh, after I was born. So I don't remember it first time round. Although I was probably in a house where it was on, but my mind was probably on uh, sleep or milk. Um, Okie dokie, so let's watch from the beginning in three, two, one. Uh, So uh, it's been it's been great fun having uh, Annie Wallace uh, join me for this. I can't remember where I first met Annie. I think it must have been at. uh, Maybe it's Shirley's birthday party, but anyway, I I knew her from uh, from her acting work before I cottoned on to the fact that she was one of us. Uh, but you know, we're dotted about. We're like sleeper agents. You, uh, you you don't have to get talking to somebody for too long to find out. I mean, and and, and th- then occasionally you get you know the people who are like, yes, I'm a massive fan, but they're not they're not really a massive fan. You know, they've never bought Doctor Who magazine or a DVD or, you know, know who Alan Bromley is. But uh, uh, I think Annie, as she has proved, is, uh, is, is, is pretty clued up on uh, all things Who. So here we go. Here's a, here's a funny little moment of Pertwee magic. <laughs> oh, dear. You thought I'd come to rescue you. I'm actually surrounded by guards that we've turned into a cliffhanger. I remember when I first saw that cliffhanger, I'm sure that's... Not what I'd imagine from the book, because I used to, I used to go through the books, and I used to, you could sort of almost do it where you could break it into chapters depending on, uh, you, you know, how many episodes the stories are, and uh, and and work out what you thought the the, uh, the the cliffhangers were. And I remember being really surprised by this, but that's because actually the ones I thought the cliffhangers were were the original cliffhangers. Um, now. A word for John Dirth. Something interesting. Something struck me when I was talking to somebody recently. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't talk lightly about um, 
being a drinker uh you know in this in this day and age where we have to waive our shortcomings in order to get sympathy um i'm i'm not really wild about that but i uh I, I mention it, I think, if it's useful. Um, and I've, I've noticed that since John Kane alluded in the documentary to Barry Letts doing a nice thing and giving somebody in the cast a job, even though they were known for having a drinking problem, I've noticed a few reviewers recently, and I've, I've noticed this happens with a few things, that you get a little bit of information and put two and two together for something most, the, you know, the most exciting reading. So I've read a, a couple of things that say, and, and yeah, I mean, he was an alcoholic and he's obviously drunk for some of the scenes. And I go, do you know what? I'm I'm not sure he is. Um, I... I I think what you've done there is you've had a little piece of information given to you. And as I say, you've sort of sexed up the dossier. Um, that happens with a couple of uh, happens with a couple of other things. I noticed somebody on a forum once, you know, was saying, who didn't get on with who? And somebody went, oh, John Pertwee hated Douglas Camfield because there was a scene in Inferno where he made him answer the phone in a particular way. And you go, no, I, I recall the way that anecdote was. John Pertwee just said, Camfield was interested in camera angles and I had to answer the phone. And, you know, it wasn't really my way of working to to answer the phone in the way for the camera angle. And that was translated into, they hated each other. Um, and that's why Camfield never worked on the Pertwee era again. Uh, and it, it's a thing to do when when I sort of research is that you sometimes go, oh, here's a potentially really interesting story. And then I think the key is to go, so it's probably not likely to be true because life's not usually that sexy or you can't actually glean it from the available information. Um, and if my understanding of boozers is correct, and I've been around a lot, is that if if Dearth was given, you know, a nice big job here, he would have done that thing that all drinkers do, go, well, I, I, I uh, you know, I'll, I'll prove that I can do it. I, I won't touch a drop for the whole of production. Uh, and and then, of course, having proved it to themselves and done the job, go, see, so I can actually give up whenever I like, and then probably start drinking again afterwards. But I, I think it's wishful thinking, it, it, you know, it's after a sexy story. Uh, if you're uh, to, to look at this and go, oh, well, he's obviously drunk. It's a bit like um, the Taltalian only speaks, doesn't speak in a French accent on film in Ambassadors of Death. Look at all those scenes in film where he doesn't speak in a French accent. It's four words, four words. But again, because somebody in a book once went, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do the French accent on film. That soon gets translated into other places in, oh, yeah, there's scenes where he doesn't speak in a French accent. Um, because again, it's, it, it, it seems a bit more exciting when the truth is sometimes less than that. And I, I think I'm particularly touchy with the, the alcoholic thing because uh, I was reading something else on a forum where they were talking about um, actors who died close to transmission and, uh, oh dear Jenny Laird. But mother, we must go, if, if only to get you a book about acting. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've, I've banged my head and I'm, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Um, um Ralph Arliss has, has a fantastic part in, uh, in the last Quatermass as Kickalong, leader of the, the sort of Stonehenge gang. Um, and, and, you know, had a great face for sort of did, 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 did you know, did a lot in the 70s, early 80s. Is it Ralph or Rafe? Uh, I can never, I, th I think, I, I'm sure I'm spelt in spotlight a couple of times, Rafe, R-A-I-P-E-H. Uh, um, and, and I'm sure somebody, uh, somebody I've interviewed, I think, refers to him as Rafe, Rafe Arliss. Um, I had a teacher who we thought was called Ralph, but he pronounced it Rafe. It's the same spellings, Rafe Fines, isn't it? Um, 
Oh, this is the the doctor sort of name dropping and going, oh, who's who's that fella? This is a beautiful bit of sort of pert reaction is that, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to name drop, but I, uh, I, I can't remember who he is as I get out of the thing. That's that's beautifully John Pertwee. Uh, poor old Geoffrey Morris just has to spend this whole thing looking slightly flummoxed. And, uh, uh, and I always forget, I always think, does he just get left there? But um, I'm always surprised. And I remember last time I saw this going... Uh, because uh, they do actually rescue him, don't they? His sons come and rescue him. I'm not, but I'm not sure they do in the book. I can't remember. That might just be uh, me forgetting. I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, on the alcoholic thing, I, uh, I, I saw somebody list uh, Jack Cunningham from uh, The Reign of Terror, who dies. He's, I think, he's the first actor after Jean Conroy from The Dalek Invasion of Earth, who actually dies before her episode is broadcast. Bless her, to die after appearing in Doctor Who. Uh, and this person had put alcoholic. Uh, now I've researched at Cunningham, and there there is a there is a, a a news story about him being arrested for being drunk and disorderly. But to to use that one piece of information and go so therefore his early death must be due to the fact that he's an alcoholic is again I think sort of it's filling in too many blanks for me to be to be proper research. But anyway, but as I say, that may be just because. Uh, uh, you know, I have a dog in that fight, but um, uh, it's it's a slightly more nuanced condition than somebody who is an alcoholic is drunk all of the time, and I can spot it, and that must be the cause of their early death. But anyway, uh, I've probably spent too much time talking about boozing uh, with Planet of the Spiders, uh, Part Five. I I really like these scenes. This is this is very Doctor Who. You've got a fantastic actress in a glorious costume talking to a very good prop of a monster um and played absolutely straight i think that i think that spider prop is superb of the queen and i like the fact that the sort of internecine spider spider wrangling haha <laughs> um Uh, Pertwee knows how to... I always say that Davison's and, and Tennant are, are great at corridor acting, but Pertwee's very good at a kind of, oh, I've seen something around the corner, I must go and hide. I th I think... Corey, oh, and Matt Smith I talked about in the God Complex a lot, didn't I? I, th I think there really is a thing to, to your Doctor Who. Uh, I think when you do the audition, they should actually give you a little bit of a corridor workshop to see if you've got what it takes, because it's a very important part of the job. Oh, poor, yes. I, I, yeah, I do like Christopher Burgess's performance. He's got some, he does have something slightly sort of wretched about him. And it's the way that his voice has a slightly sort of broken broken quality. But look at him, he's, he's slightly etched with sadness. You, you do get the in, impression that he's slightly, he's a slightly broken man. Uh, yeah, look, he's had a, he's, he's, the 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 spiders sort of t t take over these poor fellows because they're all you know they've all come here looking for something and they're not you know unlike Lupton they don't have a thirst for power or revenge they're actually trying to find peace of mind which is why they're sort of easily preyed on um, I think I think if you did this set now you'd I think you'd put a cobweb in there wouldn't you it's uh, it's uh, and what is that? What is is that supposed to suggest cobwebs behind it? Just does look slightly like the sort of lighting rig wires, doesn't it? Uh, and I quite, I, I, yeah, I think the 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 sort of alien thought process of going, you you can't call them spiders, you, you have to you have to call them uh, 
eight legs uh, is again a nice little sort of touch about we you know we're not like them them earth spiders we descended from he's um he doesn't actually get much to do in the last episode old looked and they kind of they kind of lose sight of what to do with him but i i do like the uh i, I do like the image of the tweed jacketed man uh chat, chat chatting to the intelligent spiders um uh, and of course, this is this is where the Russell T. Davis thing comes in. Again, you know, it has to it has to somehow relate to Earth. Is that I think we'd certainly have uh, a a lot a lot less feeling for the story if the only thing that the eight legs uh, on Metabolus Three threatened were the villagers of Metabolus. I think we think I think you can eat them. Uh, <laughs> eat eat them. Eat them best act best actor at a time. She's the Jenny Lair to be there at the end, going, You I shan't you shan't be eaten. Um Oh, is is this where is this where Tommy gradually works his way through? It it, it is very sweet because they've they have to make him sort of do that thing of talking to himself a bit. Um, but it doesn't he go, I'll have to talk to Yates. And then he overhears and he thinks, oh, no, Yates is allying himself with the bad guys, which is a perfectly good uh, plot beat that, you know, Yates is, Yates is allying himself with the bad guys for, for his own ends. But, but of course, Tommy is, is not going to have p- picked up on that. Um, this is sort of slightly weird, isn't it? It's a bit Max Headroomy. Um, Clever Lupton, is it Clever Lupton? Clever Lupton, I like that. Um, oh, this is actually quite weird. I don't really remember. Um, sort of t- Tommy, sort of piecing it together with with fragments of uh, of his memories. It's like he's doing a, 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 a telesnap reconstruction of the previous events of Planet of the Spiders. So yeah, that's right. He goes, what? and he's got an iron. He's got. I love the way. He's, yes, he's he's he's. Oh, it's because it's the cupboard under the stairs where he keeps his stuff. That's why he's got the ironing board there. Um, but um, he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll ask Yates. He's my friend. And then, oh, no, Yates has gone down to the cellar with Barnes. Oh, I'll ask Choji. And then I think, does he not find Choji? So he goes, oh, I'll ask I'll ask the Campo Rinpoche because, of course, he's actually the one you should ask in the first place if you're really worried. But I like the way he sort of, he ascends up the ladder. Um, here we have the great one. It's a m- magnificent vocal performance from uh, Maureen Morris, who is the wife of George Galaccio. Uh, uh, I've, and I've been to George's flat, and he's got a picture of Maureen uh, drawn by Patrick Troughton from his hospital bed when he had one of his earlier heart attacks. Um, uh, this is really creepy, actually, the way that the great one, we don't know who it is yet, but, yeah, um, it uses Sarah's voice, uses the doctor's voice, anything that's a sort of perversion of what we know. Uh, and we don't, do we not see the, I don't think we do see the great one in this episode, do we? Uh, in, instead, she does those sort of voice tricks, which is, uh, as I say, which is pretty disturbing. Um, and I, I love the, I love the sort of cave set behind. It's only a model, isn't it, onto which Pert was been CSO'd. But the CSO fringing here kind of works because it's a sort of cave of radiation and uh, and it's a slightly different atmosphere. So I, I think you can kind of forgive it. And, and, and it's and it's largely close-ups of, of the Doctor's face. Uh, and what a brilliant face he's got. And you can see it sort of taking its toll on him. 
Um, he's got a brilliant face, those crow's feet and that wonderful profile and the... Uh, and this is this is this is great because it, it it is rather humiliating, and it's not just that he's making him turn round; it's it's sort of making him march like a sort of cruel parody of a soldier. He's like a sort of marionette, like a like a sort of action man who can't control his own his own body. Uh, and this is this is the key to it all. Are you afraid? And seeing Pertwee, the most you know, we're we're used to seeing Trout and Afraid. That's part of his armory. Is, is this sort of childlike fear that he sometimes uses to, to, to cover up for the fact that he's working stuff out. But this is, Pert was absolutely terrified here. And, and it's partially because he, he, he allows himself the indignity of looking, uh, you know, very awkward as he, as he sort of turns around. And he, he runs away from that screaming spider banshee that is the great one. I think that's a terrific scene. Uh, and it leads us up because, you know, this is going to be the, the finale of the longest running doctor um uh and i think they really set up the great one there as a as a force to be reckoned with seeing as he is you know he's ultimately destroyed not by the master as a, i think you know would have been the right way to to, to bring the pertwee era to an end was to have a final big face off with the master although i think the plan was that actually the master would help to save the doctor in in the final story for them both uh which would have been very very interesting um and would have kind of worked because of the rapport that they they have, um, but but the thing that does for Pertwee is actually only in two episodes, and this is the first one, and we don't see it. But I still think they they build it up as a big power, partially because of that sort of undignified control that you know he shows that he he actually has no no chance, and because Pertwee acts it very very well, which considering it's just two shots, one close up, one sort of three quarters body length shot against a CSO background and 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 that's it uh is 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 pretty good you know now now that you know the canvas on which uh, a doctor's denouement is is painted is as large and as rather self-consciously grand as possible um that's very good isn't it the spider that uh, that that sort of that that moves you know the the the, the, leg, the legs aren't obviously uh, uh you know it's obviously got a motor in it in its in its uh in its body but the 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 the, the legs are moving um but it's it's effective the cso not quite so good um i love this scene it's the it's actually the buddhism that's starting to shine through for me a bit here um it's a very lovely ge gentle uh, performance here from uh kevin lindsay as choji but is it this bit where he does it yeah i love it where he says why why haven't why haven't you noticed that i'm changed and i you don't seem surprised to find me changed when everything is new can anything be a surprise oh barry lets you've broken my heart and that i think ties in a little bit with why i think i'm now going to say it was okay uh for me to harp on about alcoholism at the top of this because actually there there are things within buddhism that are kind of linked with um, what you do when you're a recovering alcoholic in terms of trying to um, free yourself of ego, um, uh, not uh, not uh, hang on to resentments, uh, to, to 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 see that anything done against you is actually more about 
the person than you and and, and it's about reframing the way that you operate uh, that's that, sorry he goes right now i'm going to tell campo because yates and yates and choji have been zapped um and, and actually that's quite spooky isn't it when when suddenly our guys who've been hanging around for the whole thing are now going to be taken over by by the spiders oh yes they do come and rescue sabor i keep forgetting that um uh, but yeah, the, the 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 Buddhist the Buddhist part of the story, which I haven't really thought about. That's another reaction shot of Jeffrey Morris. So like, just just raise your eyebrows and look look slightly slightly peeved. Um, uh, and, and they're having to pull all of this off in quite small sets with not many people. It 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 really is it really is Doctor Who fighting against the odds here to tell a story on an epic scale. This is actually one of the biggest sets. <laughs> they filled it with one of the smallest performances. Um, I, I don't know what's going on, but but my daughter will act for both of us. <laughs> uh, and of course, Sarah is not quite herself. Uh, and Elizabeth Sladen's doing enough. Yes, that's right, Jenny. The the police box. What, how should I just just sort of do a little dance? Look confused, but I'm look, looking confused for the whole thing. Um, so you know, it's yes, it's it's really reaching the climax now. This is partially because I think the end of the episode's around here, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think. I think this is yeah, this is the cliffhanger, isn't it? Um, uh, uh, but unfortunately, uh, we've had a few a few scenes on Metabilis Three that uh, uh, are, are uh, were not up to scratch, and so so I remember because I'd watched. Oh, this is this is my this is I think my favourite line in the whole thing. Uh, I, I I love this. You're normal. You're just like everybody else. I sincerely hope not. I love that line. I love that line. Again, that speaks to so much about, um, you know, how we how we patronise people who are neurodiverse and actually they have perhaps more to offer than so-called normal people sometimes. Um, although, again, you know, with that caveat of how, how there's a certain uneasiness now about the idea of Tommy being cured. So, of course, none of this is in episode five in the script. Uh, there's no credit for George Cormack on this episode because Campo is supposed to be the big reveal at the beginning of, of part six. And weirdly for me, because I'd seen episode six first, I'm going, hang on, we're, we're, not, that f we're not that far into the episode and already we're in episode six. So, and I'm also going, so hang on, what's the, what's the uh, cliffhanger? Um, and it's because we we now have various scenes, but we also have we don't have some scenes from episode six in order to basically go. Well, we'll have to get to a point where when we get to around the twenty five minute mark, we can stop. Um, Tom, Tom is being very brave. Um, he's not actually. It's wrong to say he he actually turns totally RP um, to, to to suggest that he's now he's now clever Tommy. Um, he still does have a slight burr. He's just changed his speech, pat speech patterns. Um, I do think it's a splendid performance. This, I now you see again, as I get older, and maybe it's my own, you know, my own, I'm putting my, my own life into this, you know, when Pertwee has to 
has to sort of sit down and basically do his amends where he's doing his list. I stole a crystal. I've got to confess. He has to face his fear. This is all the stuff that you do to, to, to sort of rebirth yourself, if you like. It's not talked up in such highfalutin terms. Uh, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to find a way of, 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 of dealing with, you know, alcohol addiction. Um, so, so I found this time round the the Buddhist stuff, which I just thought of. Oh, it's nice, Barry Letts. And Buddhists are nice, aren't they? And it's a, it's all about having a nice attitude and just being sort of nice and and this idea of rebirth. Um, much more impactful personally, and actually much more interesting as a theme in the story. Of course, you would have a sort of Buddhist parallel in a story of regeneration because this about birth and about seeing everything as new and about you know cleansing you of your past mistakes and all of that sort of thing and finding some sort of mental equilibrium is uh is i think you know is i think really important and in fact some some people that i know that i i feel have sort of got got life kind of cracked a little bit are people that say oh i you know i give i give away part of my day to to uh to, to, to meditation i don't have that uh strength of character or, or time or ability to sit in the moment i'm very much a, a, a an itchy feet uh, uh, uh person i you know a, a, a scatterbrain somebody who who i find it very 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 difficult to sit still and and sit in things that i find uncomfortable um uh, and and you know yes concentrate on the minutiae of something and plan and all of that sort of stuff so um but i'm very drawn i'm definitely very drawn to uh to the to the idea of, uh, of of Buddhism, and I and I think it particularly works well, threaded into this story. So, uh, and of course, there we the, the cliffhanger. There, Tom is earned a cliffhanger. I actually quite like the fact that, um, even though it's certainly by uh, accident and not by design, uh, that to that Tommy has. Uh, because you know, it's John Pertwee's last story, and the cliffhanger into his final episode doesn't even tease us with his death. It's like it's the it's the nice guy, <laughs> um, but Tommy has kind of earned it, even even if it's uh, born out of necessity. That the final Pertwee cliffhanger is one of the rare cliffhangers given to a guest star. Now they're not hugely common. I will do. A, I'll probably do a podcast about it one of these days i might have already done one because i've done one about cliffhangers but uh, thomas gets one in the face of evil episode two uh professor watson gets one uh, hand of fear episode two uh, the master i mean he's not a guess he's a regular but you know he gets the demons part three but yeah stories where it's uh, not the doctor or the companion in direct peril are few and far between cliffhangers but Pertwee's last cliffhanger is actually given to a guest in his story. Now, what is my thing for episode five? Now, Annie, I think, is being quite methodical. So I think having chosen Tommy, Annie won't choose that that line because I think she's going for the sort of major hitters and then talking about the the minutiae around that as she does. So having covered Tommy, I don't think she'll then go, Tommy, Tommy again, that line. But also that line... I think actually belongs to episode six, but let's not get into that right now. Um, 
and I understand me coming to this is slightly coloured by the fact that I knew episode six very well before I then saw the first five um, and added, added six onto it because I'd, I'd had six as, a, as an individual episode um, ages and ages before getting the other five. I'd read the book first, of course, but it's very different watching. So I sort of spoilt it for myself, really, in, in wanting to see the Pertwee regeneration uh, and, and finding episode six to be a bit, ooh, crikey, um, slightly disappointing. And then, as I say, coming to it and then watching episode five and going, why have we started episode six already? Uh, but there's plenty in there. I love Tommy's line there i love the doctor facing the faceless one the 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 great one and pert was acting i like sarah's um chat with the queen and i think that queen spider model is very very good but for me i think it has to be and this ties in with the whole thing and i think because we get a bit of episode six as well of, of you know and pert we going well i i stole this thing i'm doing my confession but but it's it's tommy's chat with choji and that idea that 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 binds this all together of um the buddhist retreat and the 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 buddhist themes and the themes of rebirth of of you know of of casting aside ego uh of and that that you know when everything is a surprise uh you know when everything is new how can it be a surprise that idea that you look at and it ties in with that lovely speech he has in the the time monster that Dennis Potter stole when he did that that, that 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 interview that stopped the world in its tracks, talking about the blossomist blossom when when Pertwee talks about the daisiest daisy and and it goes back to the meditation that I say I'm not I'm I've not cracked because um, I keep my head will keep going I need to write that script or do that podcast or do that thing or or mow the lawn or oh I haven't invoiced for that thing whereas I'm supposed to be going concentrate on that blob you formed in your knee and feel it go through your body uh, but my my, my, my anyway. Anyway, I know I'd be better for it. That's what Doctor Who... Anyway, Doctor Who... So Doctor Who is doing the Buddhist thing, and it ties in with the mighty Barry Letts, who is one of the Doctor Who's great, great figures and kindest of men. Um, but I, I think it's really spoken to me more because I, I guess of where I am now. Uh, and as I say, I don't want to harp on about that, and I'm not comfortable banging on about that, but I will bring it up when it's relevant. But... Um, uh, it's you know it's not something yeah anyway I, yeah it doesn't matter um it's it you know it's not it's not i don't have it as a badge if we have a conversation if you come to my house you know we don't have to talk about it um uh you know if, if you meet me at a bar and i order lemonade don't say loudly yes is that because you're an alcoholic because i it's it it is a personal thing but i'm i'm in the business of sharing it's what you do isn't it when you're a uh a performer or a writer you 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 bring your own experience to stuff and if it informs what i'm talking about i'm sort of comfortable doing it without actually being that comfortable but uh you know that's 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 part of the deal isn't it um so yeah i'm not i'm not uh I, i'm not carrying it around as a badge of honor i'm also not doing that oh woe is me but i hope it it informs the subject matter of this particular uh, installment of Doctor Who, which is about the thing that I am choosing as my favourite thing about it, which is the Buddhist, the the Buddhist element that that informs the whole of the Doctor's story, and of course 
informs the various different guest characters' stories as well, and of course Mike Yates's return, but but also the theme of what the whole story is about, leading to the, the ultimate, you know, rebirth of the Doctor, cleansed of his his sins. But I think the you know the fulcrum of it is 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 that uh, exchange between Tommy and Choji, which is so beautifully surprising, uh, and and a real sort of oh yeah. Isn't that wonderful that instead of being shocked, he just like takes it in his stride because, well, I see everything as new and what a way to live and what an example to us all. So, uh, yes, Buddhism and that is my is my call for episode five. What does Annie Wallace, star of TV's Hollyoaks, think? Moving on, part five. Well, it's all happening, isn't it? Um, So much happening, but of course it's the first time that we see the Great One, who's this absolutely colossal spider surrounded by blue crystals and um, is absolutely stark raving bonkers, but also terrifying. Now, the problem with the 70s, I suppose, is that Colour separation overlay is what they called it at the time. Chroma key is what we call it now. Uh, Green screen, blue screen, whatever you want to call it, um, was used really heavily in John Pertwee's time when it went to colour because they found out this was an effect they could do quite cheaply and effectively for replacing backgrounds and things like that. So, um, (laughs) yes, um, some stories didn't handle that particularly well, Underworld. Uh, But... This one, you know, there's Little Doctor and there's this massive spider. And, you know, again, nine years old, it was quite a big deal. I was like, whoa, look at the size of that spider. And yes, yes, quite, quite mad. So, yeah, that was a big thing. Oh, now, now, you see, I didn't dwell on the great one much because, to be fair, and I wonder if uh, Annie's watched the whole thing in, in one go, you don't actually see the great one in part five you hear the great one and i think it's more effective for that because as i mentioned you know you rely on pert was acting you've got that bit where he's he's made to sort of stump around in a sort of undignified way and, and he runs away at the because he's so terrified of this ranting thing um but i let you i was going to choose the great one for part six because that's where you see the great one and you know there's the there's the the final showdown um, which means I can't choose the great one now for episode six because the great one has been chosen. Uh, so I'm going to... Oh, damn. <laughs> I was doing so well because we were even. And and that's I think that's technically... Uh, that's a technical foul, I think you taught... You, you, you would call it in, in happy times and places. In, in, you know, in the official law of uh, happy time, the rules and regulations uh, of... Uh, happy times and places um you, you know that's a yeah that's a technical foul because um uh, and he's not the first to have uh, david quantic did a bit for genesis as well and i understand it when people watch it all in one go and then make a mental note uh uh is that um you didn't actually see the great one in part five so i'll leave it to the people out there to decide um how if either of us sort of a doctor point in that because we're coming into this we were we were two all so uh if i'll have to leave it to uh to you know to the to the judges which is which is you guys out there um but i'm annoyed 
Uh, it's the injustice. Um, so I'll have to... Um, well, I'll have to look at... I mean, it's wrong to plan ahead as well, but I certainly got that in my eye as kind of going, well, that's that's got to be the thing for, for part six. Um, so I will have to, uh, to coin a phrase, um, uh, surprise myself when it comes to episode six uh, because everything will be new. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to be reborn as somebody who chooses something else but that's something to look forward to but we shouldn't look forward because we should concentrate and enjoy the present that's the whole message live in the now but for now good good goodbye Well, I'm dead chuffed that you're listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Annie Wallace, who can be found on Twitter at Annie Wallace. I'm grateful to you listeners, to Annie, and of course to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Simon Coling, Charles Coffin, CM. Who are you, CM? Tell me, that's the only information I have. Graham Cooley, Mark Clues, Kevin Clark, not that one, Steve Churchill, Susan Christian, Ralph Chilton, Phil Chapman, Anthony Carroll, Paul Cannington, Tim Burrows, Hugh Buchtman, David Brody, Gareth Bowley, Robin Bland, Peter Blackett, Richard Bignall, Andy Benison, Ollie Barrett, Stephen Bamford, Richard Holt, Simon Ash, Radit Ariza, Tilt Ariza, Sebastian April, Kit Allen, Mark Aldridge, Keith Adams and Joel Ahrens. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you would like to join that list of people, you can do so by signing up to be a patron. That's at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. For as little as £3 a month, your name will occasionally appear on the credits. But that's not all. You get bonus material. You get advanced releases. This, for example, you will have listened to six months before you listen to it if you're not a patron. So, uh, yeah, it's currently, this is going live in September 2022. But if you're listening to this, you'll have had your Christmas presents and you might have broken some of them and or eaten some of them or worn a hole some of them depending on what they are obviously you know if it's a if it's a cake you'll have worn a hole in it if it's a pair of jeans you'll have eaten it <laughs> you're crazy anyway um i hated that that was awful i'm never doing that i'm never saying anything like that again anyway um, <laughs> it felt like such a good idea in my mouth and then it came out of it and should have stayed there or stayed in my brain and not even got to my mouth anyway Listen, if you want more of this kind of gold, well, you get it anyway. But if you want if you want to take financial responsibility for it, patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, three pounds a month. But you get a 10% discount if you sign up for a year in advance. Uh, you get a 10% discount on whatever tier. The tiers go up from three pounds, but most things are available at the lowest amount because... Uh, it just feels wrong to withhold things. There are there are a couple of little bits and bobs, but uh, all of the bonus podcasting audio, all of that, that's for everybody. Um, if you don't fancy signing up uh, for a monthly commitment, which Patreon is, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock whenever you like to make a donation to uh, uh, justify the fact that these are ad free. And if you just you know, if you if you feel that you you, you fancy chucking a little bit my way in this sort of self-funding way that we freelancers now have to operate. 
and look, look, I know that uh, times are tough and they're getting tougher. So I am hoping that uh, this blather of mine somehow, I don't know, makes you smile, makes you interested, does whatever it needs to do in these difficult times. And I don't expect money. And what uh, costs you nothing is to go to iTunes and give these five stars and a few nice lines of review. By rights, what I should do now is is record a bit of stuff and then then put most of it on the beginning of next next week's episode. Uh, and you get about seven minutes and go. Is, is, is he actually going to give us anything new? I've been really hard. I've been really hard, haven't I, on uh, uh, poor Planet of the Spiders? It all it's all to do with episode three. You know, it was episode three that was the problem, and then it had a sort of domino effect. Uh, and he got you know, and he got to got to episode five slash six and to then sort of go and there's not even a cliffhanger here. i'm gonna have to chop it about anyway i've sort of covered but but it was episode three where the where the the, the problems began but nonetheless i'm uh, really enjoying planet of spiders i'm i'm getting a bit emotional about the imminent departure of uh, john pertwee in a way that i've not previously so i hope you get the same as me really that um going in with the with a sort of need to be positive um actually makes you feel a bit more positive and inclined to be forgiving of the bits you don't like and you know see see some glory in in bits you otherwise might have overlooked i think it's a good it's a good uh sort of lesson in life really isn't it i'm no because that's making these sound profound when essentially it's just a man shouting into midair about a silly television program that's really for children um so let's not let's not pretend that i've stumbled upon the meaning of life i wouldn't dream of it but I, it's just i'm just enunciating out loud a reminder really for myself that uh uh because i my glass can be very half empty um which is one of the reasons i'm up in the middle of the night talking to you guys because uh, i find anyway but what I mean is, uh, you know, I think there is something to be said for trying to be positive, even if you're not of a sunny disposition, which I am not generally, is that uh, it it does help. It does help. So um, if I can if I can learn to stop worrying and love Planet of the Spiders, uh, perhaps uh, perhaps, you know, if that's applied to real life, uh, we might all prosper. Uh, but uh, as I say, it might just be that it's a silly podcast with a boring man who won't shut up. But um, if it is, don't tell me. <laughs>